Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. And today we're talking about a very broad subject. Is it, it, it is safe to say? Well, it is. Um, mm. Yeah, so this was... This was my idea, so blame me if you're not interested in the subject, but why shouldn't you be? Because it's about science. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we we talk a, a lot about science on this uh, podcast, and we uh, we look at scientific papers, we, we talk about different science approaches, um, but we haven't really defined it and got to the, you know, the nitty-gritty about mm. science, what it's all about, and also... Um, I think sometimes people invoke science without really understanding what, what it means. So science is just a, an authority that, that people can draw on. You say, oh, the science says, you know, well, what does that actually mean? How does that, what does science do to put forward a, you know, a, a viewpoint, if you like, about what's happening and what's happened yeah. and what the truth is and so on. Um yeah, lots of people will deny that science can tell us important things. So what can't it tell us, maybe? Is there anything that science can't tell us? Is there anything that we need to uh, leave alone? Let's let other things worry about. Um, so, yeah, I think hopefully it's going to be more interesting than I've made it sound in that mm. introduction. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's basically big. So I think the main thing is to mm. start getting into subsections, really. Um so where would you like to start, I would well, say? Well, I think a good place to always start is with a definition, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> That's the way public talks always start. It is. It <laughs> Webster's is Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> it is strange to describe science, I think, because mm. it, because there's lots of things that are science and therefore describing it all as one unanimous thing is interesting. But let's see what that is. Yeah, so um, I've gone to the Science Council, who are, I suppose, like the umbrella or an umbrella body that um, lots of individual um, scientific bodies will go to um, mm -hmm. to help define all sorts of things like methodology and um, the way that science is done and ethics and all of that sort of stuff. So, and I think it's quite a good definition, actually. Um, so this is the Science Council's definition of science. It says that science is the pursuit and application of knowledge and understanding of the natural and social world following a systematic methodology based on evidence. Mm. Um, so that's quite a good definition and it's it's nice and short or shortish. I wonder why um, it's natural though. 
Uh, well, the natural and social world. So the natural right. world would be things like, you know, physics and biology and chemistry mm. and so on. And the social world is the social sciences like psychology, sociology, economics, those sorts of things. And right. I think Computer it's... science. Say again? Computers. Computer Com- science. Computer science. Yeah, I mean, that's quite an interesting one. I'm not quite sure whether like that sits in the natural science or the social science. Mm. Um, I think computers are not in itself science. You might use computers to help you to like do some statistical analysis, let's say. Mm. You might have a science around intelligence or um, something like that that you might use neural networks or something on computers but computers themselves are not science they're they're technology so Mm. that is probably a good uh starter for 10 really when we talk about science um we're not really necessarily talking about technology we're talking about understanding the world Mm -hmm. then what comes from that might be technology so um when people like babbage and uh von neumann was it who was sort of laying the groundwork for um computers the first thing you had to do was understand all about how algorithms might work and how you you know how you might use um calculations to essentially be able to calculate anything and from that comes things like computers um science told us how a bird's wing worked so we could work out about lift and the fact that uh, a bird's wing is shaped so that it gets lift underneath which means that the bird flies and then from that comes aeroplanes so the technology is based upon the science so that's basically the way that it works Mm. science comes first and then people find technological solutions to everyday problems using that science okay so that was good. I hadn't thought of that, and that's that's actually a really good place to to start. So when we're talking about mm-hmm. science, we're talking about understanding the world. Okay. So we've got that far. Yeah. Good. Two. We've got a definition, mm-hmm. and we know it's not technology, although that comes from it. So I thought, what does it mean in practice? Really, what does science mean in practice? So we've already made a start on that. Uh, so science is. It's really about us trying to understand what's happening. And in order to understand what's happening, we we do, and we always have done certain things. For instance, people have always observed the world. Mm. So human beings have always observed what happens. And they've also tried to work out causes for things. Um, so observation is one type of evidence that human beings use to work out why things are happening. I suppose some obvious stuff would be, you know, people soon realize that uh, when you got dark clouds coming overhead, that it was likely to rain or it might rain. Mm. So we noticed a correlation between dark clouds and rain. Um, And then, of course, you know, you might notice other things, uh, migration of animals, you know, how do babies get here? Before there was any science around it, people knew how uh, babies got here. So uh, the the relationship between having sex and giving birth mm. nine months later was uh, identified at some point in time. So these are observational 
discoveries. Um, so observation is a good way to work out what's happening, but um, it, it has its limitations, but that's one way. Um, sort of linked to that is the idea of eyewitness testimony. So that's another way of, of working out what's happened and what is happening is by somebody literally watching something. So, I mean, that's closely related to observation. Um, then you've got experimentation. So experimentation is a very scientific way of trying to understand something. Um, you might use things like statistics to work out whether what you're seeing is just chance or whether it's happening more often than chance, which means there might be some sort of correlation or link with one thing and another. Um and that, that tends to be what you do in the natural sciences like physics and chemistry and biology. In the social sciences, you might look at things like interviews. Um, you might look at textual analysis. So you might look at passages of text and work out what people are thinking through that text. You might draw out some themes from that text. So these are all structured ways of trying to understand what's happening. But I think what makes something science if we go back to that definition, is it's a systematic methodology. So it's it's somebody has agreed or people have agreed that this is the systematic structured way we're going to try and understand something. Mm. So it's more than just noticing something. It's more than just seeing something or reading something. It's saying we're going to have a structure that everybody understands. So we do this first and then we do this and then we do this. And it's that structure process that means that you've got some um, robustness, let's call it, uh, about what you're observing. And then what that gives you is data. So that gives mm -hmm. you some sort of feedback that you then can can use to make some other predictions maybe or to draw some conclusions so after establishing that does this then get us onto the trustworthiness or like um value of it because mm. i would say the other thing that's done is peer reviews yeah i mean that that's definitely important to talk about i suppose um before peer review it's useful to think about how some of that methodology works because what happens is different scientific methods if we think about the natural sciences compared to the social sciences, for instance. Um, the natural sciences, a lot of that will be dependent on experimentation. And so what would happen then is, and this this is what scientists do. So it's important, again, to, to think about what we mean by science and scientists. So scientists are in the business of methodically analyzing the data, on, on methodically doing this process of, creating evidence if you like or observing mm. evidence through observation experimentation using statistics to see whether it's just by chance or more than just by chance so that, that's what they're doing um, some scientists might be doing some of the predictive work like in physics for instance you might get theoretical scientists and these are the people that will use mathematics to try and predict sorts of things that might happen and then other scientists will be experimentalists. So they will do experiments to try and um, support or 
disprove, if you like, um, these predictions. So uh, the, the gold standard, if you like, for science is to make a prediction um, that is based around some sort of theory. So, you know, the theory of gravity says that this is likely to happen in this situation and then do an experiment to see if that is actually what happened. Mm. Um, and so that's what scientists are doing. So any scientist that does an experiment like that, they will do the experiment. They will publish their research. Um, and then yes, you, as you said, they are peer reviewed. So other scientists in that field will read that paper and essentially check up to see whether what they've done uh, makes sense, whether they made any mistakes, whether there's any sloppy stuff gone on there. Let's see if it's re replicable. That's right. Can you do it again? You know, is uh, or if somebody was to do this again, um, would they know how? So, I think in a peer review, you would you wouldn't expect the peer reviewer to carry out the experiments again, but they would want to see that if another institution or scientist wanted to, they could replicate it. So it's got all the details of the experiments in there. So you, you would even have all the apparatus, all the details of actually how to do the experiment, all that should be in there so that somebody else can replicate it. If it's good, if it's, you know, all the, all the boxes are ticked, the evidence is there and so on and so on then it'll be passed to be published. But that in itself doesn't mean that it's, you know, 100% true because there might be papers that disagree with that. So a peer review process is really just making sure that um, the logic is there, that the experiment has um, ticked all the boxes in, far, in terms of what it, what it should be doing and how the methodology worked. Um, and then it goes into the big wide world in a in a, a journal, um, and then scientists get to argue about it all over again. So it's a very robust process where scientists are arguing with each other about about their work. So I think that's an important thing to bear in mind: is there is a sometimes I think a um, a misunderstanding that you know a scientist somewhere because they've got lots of letters after their name and are in a big institution if they say something well that must be true what actually happens is a paper's written gets published if it's good enough um, and then lots of other scientists try to shoot it down um, and sometimes it does get shot down so that's that is part of the the scientific process um, but that's that's particularly for uh, experimental science so the natural sciences i sometimes call them the hard sciences not because they're more difficult but because they're easier in a way to design experiments around it's not just for experimental though it is also for theoretical that yeah because um, they because the I, I know for definite because my partner's always going on about it so um in the sense that like the discussion of dark matter or not um, is definitely hotly debated because different people say the maths proves it and other people say the maths only proves it under certain circumstances. So, um, yeah, still. Yeah. Happening. I guess the, the, the thing with, uh, with physics, theoretical physics, is that although you might not be able to do the physical experiment, you can, mm -hmm. um, as you said, you can do the maths around it's it. All, to see. Either simulated or, or yeah. um, 
mathematically yeah. pro- uh, you know proven using the word proven in the science format which means most likely true or most not not 100% because scientists don't really do that that's right science is always contingent upon you know the next time that experiment is done does it you know does it still demonstrate that or are there conditions where maybe that that, that theory doesn't hold up so there's always that chance as well uh, so science is is always yeah it's always a um a contingent discipline really again which is something mm-hmm. that i think people perhaps don't always appreciate uh, but obviously when you get to social science that's that's a bit of a different uh kettle of fish really it's a it's a it's a lot more difficult um before we get to that i thought it might be useful just to um very uh, hopefully in a in a accessible way explain the way that an experiment works um because we we did allude to this when we talked about zimbardo's prison so-called experiment and we said that it didn't have an independent variable so i thought maybe we could talk very briefly about what that means um so generally in a scientific experiment what you're trying to do is see whether there is a relationship between one thing and another essentially whether you and we're normally interested in at least partial causes and effects so something happens what caused that and so in the in the terminology of a scientific experiment you have what's called the dependent variable which is the thing that happens and you want to see whether the this thing this other thing is causing that or has some impact upon that and that other thing is called the independent variable. And that's the thing that you can manipulate. You can change it to see whether if I do this, does this happen? You know, so in a very simple terms, you know, if I poke this animal with a stick, does it attack me? Um, that's the sort of, that's the independent variable. Um, and I thought a, a perhaps a, a classic experiment that, that would illustrate this is the, is the one that Galileo designed essentially. So the idea is, you know, gravity... Um, does gravity act differently on different weights? So if you had a, I don't know, a 200-pound man and a 300-pound man and they jumped off a cliff, uh, would they hit the ground at the same time or would the heavier one hit the ground first? What would you say? I don't really remember my science, um, to be honest. You're not committing? No, I'm not. Give it a guess. Give it a guess. Well, gravity will be acting on them at the same force, as in like, right. but they'll be also acting on their own. Gravity is not just a pull. There is also, you are somewhat, like the, there's both. It's not just one or the other. You started so well. Um, so the, um, the according to Galileo, is essentially you're right when you say that gravity acts the same upon all objects Mm. so actually if you counted out any effects of wind resistance Mm. um, then they would hit the ground at the same time and so Galileo talked about a cannonball and a uh, a feather so if you dropped a feather and a cannonball at the same time in a vacuum um, then they would hit the ground at the same time obviously that doesn't happen in on the earth because you've got wind resistance which means that the feather um sort of floats on the wind which means it will go to the ground more slowly Uh, but actually on youtube there is a 
an example, Brian Cox, the uh, BBC uh, scientist who uh, does a lot a of these sorts of shows. He is a science communicator and a professor. And um, he actually does this experiment um, in a huge vacuum chamber, a feather and a, I think they use a bowling ball, and they both hit the ground at the same time. Um, so if that was an experiment, which it is essentially, um, then the dependent variable is the time at which both items hit the ground. And the independent variable is the medium through which that's those two things fall. So you probably do one in normal conditions. Um, you might then do it in a vacuum. And so the thing that you're manipulating there is the fact that you've got one with air and one in a vacuum. So that could be one way of doing it. Or you could try with different weights. So you could say, well, let's do one experiment where the weights are the same. And then we'll manipulate the variable, which is essentially just changing the weights. Let's do a 10-pound ball and a 20-pound ball. And so changing the weight would be the manipulation of the variable. So that's the sort of thing that happens all the time with experiments. Let's see what happens when we do this. Let's change this and see whether the result's different or the same or what effect um, that change has made on what happens. Mm. So that's the way that some um, experiments work. Um, now, obviously, if you do that enough times, you know, you might get variations. So that's where statistics come in to try and work out, um, you know, how often, how much of what we're seeing is just down to random chance and how much is down to something real happening. So often after an experiment, the, the results will be statistically analyzed to see whether you could expect this to happen by chance or whether it's unlikely to happen by chance and that's that's where you start to get these uh, these essentially uh, probability factors if you like that it's happened just by chance or not by chance i won't get into all of that because it's quite dull and complicated but um but th there's more work to do after that to make sure that it yeah okay it happened this once does that mean that it's always going to happen mm -hmm. so that's that's what happens in scientific experiments and it, it's uh, a long painful process um and uh yeah it's it's something that needs to be long and painful really to make sure that you you know you can have some confidence in it yeah i think it's important to remember as well in terms of you know when people run away with like, as we were talking about the other day like conspiracy theories is yeah like you said just because insert doctor or scientist <laughs> here has said it doesn't mean mm -hmm. it's um, true it's like there's one percent of scientists that say global warming's not a thing and it's fine but 99 percent of people of, of science <laughs> says it's not fine and that global warming is happening so you can always find someone to back up your argument but it doesn't mean that that's proven it it's more than just finding a doctor or a scientist yeah that's right um what um what we used to like doing um when I was doing my master's was finding meta studies. So meta studies are really good because they are looking at lots of studies um, and finding, you know, the overall uh, likelihood of things happening or not. Mm. So meta studies are very good ways of uh, getting more confidence in certain scientific outcomes or, or predictions, if you like. So, when you start to, to talk about scientific consensus, 
what you're starting to look at there are lots of experiments or studies um, that all start to say the same thing or very similar things. You, you are can... always going to get outliers. But... Yeah, you can generally find, I can't remember what the name of this paper, these papers are called, but they're like, um, like almost, I guess, consolidating papers that reviews the mm. general information That's at the right. time. So like if you're at uni and you're doing a science, you're probably used to doing lit reviews, literature reviews. Um, and because um, I asked my partner, I was like, why do you do that on your course? Is that mm. like something that you would actually do if you were, you know, because he wants to pursue being working in science i was like is that some how how is this useful to mm. you, you know what are you learning from this what's the point in sort of doing this as an activity and he's like it's like a small scale um way of doing this like sort of research system where it's like yeah you're um trusted and well known in your field and you will now break down and give a very um well well thought out overarching um sort of paper on the yeah. material available yeah so all papers will have a literature review um i can't think of any unless we're talking about a kind of purely personal monologue which is very rare to see in scientific papers um you you do a, a literature review before you start to mm-hmm. talk about your findings because mm-hmm. you're you're trying to um talk I've, about what's yeah. already been been known or already been done in this area so if you're it's adding to, to disproving that. exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's um that's basically how uh, the sort of scientific method works now um things like what i've just described with a an experiment you you can you can do things a bit similar to that that are not necessarily in a lab so some there's some things that you might describe as quasi experiments or even like statistical studies, which might be saying, well, whilst we're not, um, we're not doing an experiment here. Let's, let's look at, to see if there's any correlations between this and that. So an example of this might be in the workplace, for instance, um, whether there's a correlation between absenteeism and productivity. So you could say, you know, let's see what, so you don't need to do an experiment about that. What you might do is look at the numbers Mm. that tell you businesses, organizations that have high levels of absenteeism, and then also see where there's a correlation there, where there's a link, a link or relationship between their productivity. And if you find that, oh, do you know what? This is really interesting. Organizations that seem to have a lot of absenteeism also have a problem with productivity. Then, although you've not done that as an experiment, you've identified some sort of potential causal link mm-hmm. between those two. Although you have to be careful because you've not controlled it like in a lab. So, of course, you've got other things that could be interfering that you don't actually know about. Yeah. I know that when we um doing my manager training at work at the minute, I know that for this one, it was like, yeah, high levels of absenteeism is also is often linked with high levels of like uh feeling like underappreciated and over over asked for basically um so then uh, and they said that uh this has been proven by doing individual conversations with people that have had high levels of absenteeism so like 
they've had conversations to to check in conversations to find out why they're often absent and apparently this is so it's like self proclaimed i suppose or like um you know that's part of how they do it apparently so that's that's an yeah that's another type of study so often so that that's good that you've mentioned that so you've got um you've got things that might be purely statistical so in that case you're just noticing that there is a correlation or a relationship between absenteeism and this other thing so yeah unhappiness at work or productivity or whatever it is you're interested in you've noticed that the statistics tell you there appears to be a relationship between those two things so that's one type of study what you then might do either as part of the study or as another study you might say right let's do some qualitative work now and have some interviews with people who report that they've been off a lot and this is why Mm -hmm. or you might have some survey interviews which are actually called quantitative which Mm -hmm. sometimes I have a little bit of a problem with but quantitative data through surveys which might you might survey 100 people and again there might be a correlation between what they say about their absence levels and their levels of satisfaction or productivity or whatever it is so they're they're two slightly different methods, but sometimes they get put together. So they they become a mixed method study. They're they're often really good. I'm I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of mixing those methods because you get you know you get more mm-hmm. sort of um, uh, a higher resolution of what what you're looking at when mm-hmm. you see when you see that. Um, so there's some more different sorts of, of scientific inquiry, if you like, and that's using. It's uh, another one, if you want. Yeah, you can have Go another on. one. You can have ethnographic. Okay, so what's ethnographic? Where you get all involved. <laughs> yeah, so it's not. That's not. Um, is it is science? That science? Um, hmm. <laughs> it's definitely sociology. And you said it's sociology science. It's social science. Yeah. So there is a um, with the social and sciences. Anthropology uses ethnographic yeah. a lot. There's a fuzzy line. Um, at times when you get into social science between the, the the science bit which is meant to be as objective as possible and then i think we have alluded to this before the bits where you're interested in people's experience and the way that they personally make sense out of what's happening mm. and at that point it's not sounding so much like a science it's certainly not like measuring how fast two objects fall you know and this is why social science is so much more difficult than the the natural sciences Uh, and when i say difficult i don't mean you have to be cleverer to do it i just mean it's much more difficult to get hard and fast conclusions because Mm. there's so many more variables that can can get in the morality to worry about too it's ethics as well yeah indeed because generally you're dealing with people and you can't put people in um boxes and remove all variables can you yes i mean i noted a few a few of that down so one of the the challenges challenges with social science is to try and make try and get rid of some of these extraneous some of these other variables that could get in the way but by doing that you start to remove what's normal about the world so we talked um Oh, the last the last episode or one before that around Milgram's experiment mm. um you know people thinking they were giving some other participants electric shocks 
and we said that that you know that was a it was a well structured scientific experiment in many ways, but it had its issues, and certainly ethically. Um, but I mean, there's there's others that that you know are probably worse. It did tell us something important, um, but the argument is, you know, did we need that sort of experiment to tell us mm. that? And I would say no. Okay. So yeah, social science has a problem in that to try and um reduce all these other variables that might get in the way of of the results you're often doing Mm. things that are either unethical or what's called uh destroying ecological validity and Mm. i don't so when we talk about that we're not talking about the ecology and you know plants and stuff we're talking about the fact that if you take social creatures out of their social world and put them in a lab Mm. the results you're going to get are not necessarily relevant because you've taken why, them out of the social world that's why people like twins for studies isn't it yes <laughs> they love yeah. a good twin study because <laughs> it removes some variables in a non-dodgy way <laughs> well so long as it's done like we do now i mean that there, yeah. there was some horrible yeah. experiments done in the nazi uh, well era yeah, with twins yeah, but yeah. here we're talking about no. twins natural ones where maybe twins got separated and uh-huh. you could observe how much people uh-huh. uh, how much these these siblings were alike in their personalities mm-hmm. later so yeah there are some natural experiments like that that you can that you can see yeah so um so yeah it's 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 a really tricky area social science is um for that reason social science is not seen as robust as the the natural sciences mm-hmm. and i think that's absolutely understandable because human beings and social the social world is so much more complicated and so much more difficult to study therefore you know, you cannot get rid of all the potential um, variables that are going to mess your experiment up. So you're left doing things like observations, you're uh, doing interviews, you're you're doing qualitative research, and even the stuff that's supposed to be quantitative using numbers, like surveys, for instance. A survey is still somebody's opinion of what the question means and trying to put a number to it or you know say how much they agree or disagree with that statement that's not like measuring electronic resistance or something Mm -hmm. so it is it is more difficult um so the other thing I, i i thought might be useful to talk about was how much we can trust the science um and when people talk about following the science uh so i mean i don't know what it was like in in the us but in the uk in the early days of covid we kept getting this from the government we kept getting this we're going to follow the science mm. um and you know i thought that it was might just be a thing to, to say <laughs> wasn't it they didn't really do that so. well yeah i think it was designed to increase the credibility of of what was being originally said. they were going to do the opposite in that they were just going to let it happen <laughs> Well, they were going to follow the science in that the science predicted there'd be it would be awful and they were going to let it be awful. Um, <laughs> let it rip. Yeah, and then they decided uh, that that wasn't doing well in um, PR groups. So um, they decided to follow some different science. <laughs> well, the thing is, science will might be able to give you some predictions about what might happen, but decisions about whether you're willing to pay that price... Mm. is is a political one isn't it so i guess that's that's obviously uh the political decisions are, are might be based upon 
scientific predictions but um they are still political decisions <laughs> yeah well yeah i'm i'm trying to be um i'm not uh, what's the word i'm trying to to attribute good faith to everybody in this discussion uh for no, the sake of argument i'm not <laughs> <laughs> um, i have no good faith it's gone <laughs> but the thing that i would say is is i think there's a it, it was fairly dangerous in some respects anyway to talk about following the science because with a brand new virus that we didn't know much about, mm. hence it was called the novel coronavirus, mm. um, there was a lot that we didn't know. Therefore, the, there wasn't really any settled science well, in a lot of these the areas. Science just is ever evolving. That's right. Yeah, and I think that's that's something that makes people sometimes, you know, reduces their confidence in the scientific method, but. I guess the point I would say is that if we think about the experimentation process, let's say that takes quite some time mm. or analyzing statistics, you can only do that if you've got data. So you can only analyze statistics once you've got hundreds, thousands of cases where you can start to look at, you know, in this condition, this tends to happen in this condition, that tends to happen. So it's only then that you can really start to, have any science in the early days you're scratching around trying to say well is this virus like this other virus it's similar in these ways can we on the basis of that make some predictions yes but it's only as good as how like that's this other virus it is so that's the problem i think that was a difficulty in the early days is we didn't really have enough data and yet we kept hearing politicians say we're following the science, you know. Mm. Um, so I think that's important to understand is that science is is a, an ongoing process that is constantly being adjusted and uh, improved through the research that is either proving or disproving or throwing more confidence on a certain theory or, or um, prediction. Uh, and then the more we do, the more confidence we have. So that's why we have a lot of confidence in something like germ theory, for instance. We know that that's true. Mm. We have a lot of confidence in evolution. We know that that's true because it's been around a long time and we observe a lot of things and we've been, we're able to, uh, to, we've done a lot of experiments, we've done a lot of research. Whereas something that happens, you know, tomorrow, we haven't got that body of work. So I think it's important to realise that that's what science is. It's this process of testing, analysing, correcting, and so on. Unlike, mm. um, you know, what ex Jehovah's Witnesses would be used to, which is kind of direct, if not rev revelation, uh, revealing of, you know, the next new thing that we are supposed to believe. Exactly, yeah. Um, which actually isn't anything different it's just looking at something in a different way mm. so you mentioned about replication so that's um that's something also to bear in mind so science um is an imperfect discipline and we've mentioned about the natural sciences being much more robust because of the the fact that you can do experiments and that they're they're a lot simpler essentially in terms of their complexity um in psychology, there is something called a replication problem. I don't know if you've come across that before. Um, no. So you mentioned about replication before. Replication, the replication problem is that 
you might just be testing an individual rather than um, uh, well most of these um these studies have been carried out on multiple mm. people but um perhaps 50 participants perhaps 100 participants um but the problem has been that if you then go to replicate that experiment or that study that we're not always seeing the same results so some some psychology experiments that are kind of well known and um, seem to uh, seem to be quite well understood um, when they're replicated they don't always deliver the results that we expected this has created a little bit of a crisis in uh, psychology um, and I think part of it is is perhaps some sloppy experimental design um, including the fact that a lot of psychology a lot of experiments and studies have been done in universities mm. trying to find participants for a psychological study is very very difficult so guess where you get them from your other your undergrads that are required <laughs> exactly. to in order to get their grade exactly <laughs> my so. housemate had to do x amount of experiments like be a study yeah, participant right. in order to like get her grade uh, I did I did it for her didn't I as well and she did yeah. it for me um, yeah, exactly. you're, you're desperate to try and find people to do to take part in your your experiment yeah but it's important to remember that and also remember who was picked for certain things as well um in the sense that they're start they're starting to do a lot more um rigorous tests on certain medicines because it turns out the female and the male body are different and they respond yeah. differently to medications yeah. but a lot of these medications were only tested on um white males so and they actually do respond differently to different races and different genders so they are um <laughs> they are now <laughs> retconning some some um studies like that um and that does i would imagine extend into psychology as well depending on yeah how you were raised where you were raised yeah um that's going to yeah. affect your psychological results right so we've we've had a you know an awareness that a lot of these studies were done with um oh what the, the what do they call them weird weird um uh, western Oh, I can't remember the acronym like, now, but but basically Western centric. Yeah, of. so they're they're like you know people from Australia, the UK, mm-hmm. um, the USA, uh, obviously Canada. So mm-hmm. often they tend to be from these institutions that are English speaking and um, uh, Westernized. Um, mm. So yeah, there's and the question is, you know, can you generalize that to other? other populations and mm. you know, sometimes you can and sometimes because of cultural differences um the answer might be no but yeah you raise a good point with medical experiments for quite a long time they were generally done on men because it was considered that because women have periods mm. um that men were easier subjects or participants because they didn't their body didn't change you know mm-hmm. over the month mm-hmm. um so there was a i guess you might say there was a good reason um, but of course, if you think about it more closely, you start to realise that's a that's terrible exactly reason. That's exactly stupid. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> idiocy. Yeah, because yeah, you're like, you're going... oh, this is going to make it harder. Ignore yeah. it. <laughs> that's right. It's like, uh, oh, so you think so? You know that the women are going to respond differently to it. That's right, that's the, and that's the thing that's annoying. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so again, this this demonstrates that science 
it's not a religion it's Mm -hmm. it's not perfect it's not it is and it lives in the place that it 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 does you know i mean it's 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 contemporarily relevant so exactly and that's why um scientists and science journalists and i think everybody should be concerned about the way that science is done Mm -hmm. um and yeah hold hold scientists to account say you know are you doing this science well Mm. um we we shouldn't just leave it to the scientists and and um just you know have have our trust in them because they are human beings and they will Mm. have all the same uh biases and foibles as the rest like like when we talked about birth control in the way that they were concerned about the male birth control because the issues it had um I think that it's right to be concerned and that we shouldn't have just um, been less concerned when it was women's ones because it was, you know, it was pushed out before it was ready. I don't think we should continue that with men's one. I think we should be more scrupulous. Mm. That's yeah. how it was then. Doesn't mean it should continue now for some sort of, that's that's not equ- equity. Yeah, equity. <laughs> it's That's definitely not e- equality or equity. We should make it better for everybody, not just shit for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think um, I, I don't think science or scientists should be put on a pedestal. But I do think if you look at comparing it with um, alternative ways of understanding the world, um, it's it's by far the best. I mean, it it's it's it, at its best. It's looking at the evidence, weighing it up dispassionately and coming to a conclusion mm-hmm. if and when it goes wrong. It's because human beings have messed it up, messed up the process, messed up the methodology, like the examples you've just described. Um, That's not science's fault. That's not the methodology's fault. That's our fault for not thinking clearly about the way that we've designed our experiments. Mm. Um, I suppose the last question that might be worth asking is, you know, is there anything that science should butt out of, you know, is there stuff that science actually can't tell us? Uh, and I'm thinking obviously here around things like God and meaning and purpose. What do you reckon? Well, um, I, I think I don't feel a need to scientifically prove or disprove God. I don't sit, I don't, I don't think it's like I work in likelihoods, I guess, cause I'm not a scientist. And I'm like, it's, I think it's quite unlikely. Um, in the loosest science <laughs> which of, of likelihoods I think it's unlikely therefore I'm going to live like that um, and you know some people I don't know get annoyed with that um, sort of line of thinking because it's about belief versus so like gut versus logic I guess but um, I don't know it's difficult one to argue because I, I sit where I sit and I know where people sit elsewhere <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my feeling is that um, if you're saying that God is outside of the natural world, um, then science can't say anything about that because science is all about understanding the natural world. So it's it's literally by definition, it's out of the scope of science. Mm. Um, If you're saying that you're able to demonstrate evidence that God created the natural world, then again, I don't think science can actually contribute to that that discussion. So I do think it's a, a matter of faith at the end of the day. And if you want to have faith in a God, then 
then that's absolutely fine. But science is never going to be able to prove or disprove, actually, that there is a God. Mm. Um, I think science can tell us how life got here on the Earth. Um, it can tell us how maybe how our universe began. Um, but it can't tell you about anything outside of that because that's outside of the scope of science. So I think there's always a place for faith if if you if that helps you or you want to to believe it. Like you, I, I personally don't see any need for it. Um, but I think, you know, for some it might yeah. they might want to. And that's absolutely fine. Science some, itself yeah. doesn't necessarily and, and cannot answer those questions. Some people it enriches their life. To me it doesn't and mm. that's fine. And that's as far as I want to go with it really. Yeah. Sounds like you're on the doors. Sounds like knocking on the door. Yeah, that's as far as I want to go with it. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just like, goodbye. Will you have this leaflet before I go? No. No. I don't want your leaflet. (laughs) I always feel better if I get rid of a leaflet. I don't want it. I'm not having it. Have a leaflet. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know how interesting that was. I really hope it was... Uh, of some interest um i mean at the end of the day we talked to um, at the end of the day it's our podcast so we can do what we want <laughs> we talked That's to the final statement yeah, that is true <laughs> we talked to brent um brent lee recently on the podcast i really enjoyed talking to him and that was around uh conspiracy theories and one of the things we did discuss was how we treat evidence so i thought it would be quite nice to talk about science and the, the way that we treat evidence mm. from a scientific perspective and um, i suppose that the, the closing thing to think about on that is of course none of us are experts in everything even scientists are only experts in their own scientific becoming field. an expert means um becoming more and more knowledgeable about a smaller and smaller right. pool of thing so we so all like... have to um have some sort of confidence in the institutions and the people that are studying and have studied in these areas that they know more about it than we do so when we see something for instance we see some vapor trails in the sky Mm. clearly that's something that's happened we can see it but then when we want to understand what's caused it we can either make up a story or listen to somebody that Uh, has got an opinion on youtube or we can listen to a scientist whose field that is and can actually explain what's happening um you know i noticed there was some comments on twitter about this this latest earthquake that um, created this huge tsunami i saw on twitter some people saying oh that didn't look real to me you know that that wasn't real um you know we see something we don't understand do we assume that it must be un, unexplainable or do we go to the science, the people that have lots of experience in that area who can tell us what mm. happened? You know, mm-hmm. it just feels to me like I'm going to go with the person that's done all the study as opposed to me who hasn't studied that and doesn't mm-hmm. really understand that. That for me seems like a more useful way of approaching that, that question. Well, there we go. That was very good. Um, mm-hmm. So, one final thing tweet of the week. Mm-hmm. 
of the week. Tweet 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 of the week. And the tweet of the week is from Jake. Jake's been poorly. Jake Vaughan, an alt worldly. He's been poorly. He's supposed to be coming on the podcast uh, very shortly, but um, I don't know if he'll be able to make it. Hopefully, fingers crossed, he can. Um, but he's been back in hospital, so I'm not quite sure where his status is. But he did a tweet, and I can't find it now, but he did a tweet about what's missing in Star Wars films is all the snacks. <laughs> um, and it made me remember uh, when we were watching Star Wars when you were a little girl, and uh, you said... Oh, where's, uh, what was it you said? Well, I thought I was just like, he stole his sausage. <laughs> he stole his sausage. So the mm. the scene where Yoda steals Luke's sausage. And mm. of course, we thought you were making it up. But there is the scene yeah. when Yoda steals his sausage. Uh, so, yeah, that reminded me of that. Mm. Well, there you go. <laughs> so that is <laughs> strangely the tweet I was expecting. Tweet of the week. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, get well soon, uh, Jake. And um, hopefully we can speak to you soon. Tweet of the week, 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 tweet of the week. Right, okay. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review. Um bye bye <laughs> bye What should I think about is an evil sheep production <laughs> <laughs>